I think when we think about heroes, we think about we look, when you look at the definition of heroes uh, or someone who is a hero, um, <clears throat> it's important to look at uh, you know, the fact that sometimes heroes are defined as a mythological or legendary man, often of divine ancestry, who is endowed with great courage and strength, celebrated for his bold exploits. Uh, that's one definition. Another one is a person noted for feats of courage or nobility or purpose, especially one who has, ra- who has risked or sacrificed his or her life. The third one is a person noted for special achievement in particular fields, so our sporting heroes, our medical heroes. Um, and <clears throat> what's interesting about these three definitions, though, if we look at someone... Uh, in terms of a hero in the Bible, we want to look at an example of a hero in the Bible, but someone who's a little bit more untold or not focused on as much. Um, and I want to mention someone who's more of an untold hero, because if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, for example, that's a chapter where there's mention there of these great men and women of God that went before us. But also in that particular chapter, there's a mention of a couple of people who aren't really focused on. And I want to talk a little bit about someone that's not really focused on much. And the reason for that is because I think sometimes in the kingdom of God, and I think sometimes in ministry, I think there can be the wrong perception about the motivation of why we want to be a person of God, why we want to be in ministry. Um, Sometimes I think the motivation to be in ministry is about being seen is about doing great things for God. And I know that when people go into ministry, it's important that they deal with those motivations if they're, if they're wrong. And so I think that sometimes when we're in Christendom and we're in church life and we're doing things for God, most of us never really get much attention or get much focus. It's important as a community, we honor people, we recognize people. But I think what's important is, is that we always are motivated to do what we're doing, not because we want to be seen, not because we want to be praised, not because we want honor. Those things may come if God actually gives us those things. But it's important to not actually chase after recognition. Real heroes are usually the ones that we don't even know about. The things that you're doing privately in your life throughout the week to bless people, to send them text messages of encouragement, those things are the things that actually make you a hero in the kingdom of God. Come on now. The things when God will see you face to face when you're at the end of your life in heaven and he looks into your eyes and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Who here wants God to declare that upon their lives at the end of their, their life? And can I tell you that God is going to say that to you, not because of what you've achieved, not because of all these great things that the public know about what you did. He's going to be more interested in what, you, what did you do in private? What did you do behind closed doors? What did you do to that one, that sheep that you encouraged, that person that you encouraged via text message that no one else knows about? Amen? I want to encourage us this morning to let's put a focus on even someone like Richard bringing him up, understanding that we can be heroes in our life without having to focus on a hero always being someone like Superman or Batman and it's all this fantastic uh, bells and whistles, but making choices to actually reach out to people. So I want to talk about that this particular person I'm going to uh, focus on, um, he was an individual who was willing to believe God's word, commit himself to God's will and devote himself to God's works. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word this morning. We thank you, Father, Lord, for your encouragement of recalibrating or realigning sometimes our focus on what a real hero is. Lord, we thank you, Father, for all the great men and women of God 
that are publicly recognized on the earth. We thank you, Lord, for Brian Houston. We thank you, Lord, for Phil Pringle. We thank you, Lord, for all those ones, Lord, that are out there right uh, in, in, at, the, at the front of the, the pioneering uh, thing to do with the kingdom of God right now. But, Lord, we thank you, Father, Lord, that it's not about becoming the next Brian Houston. It's not about trying to become the next Phil Pringle. But, Lord, it's about us all recognizing that we're called to be heroes. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, us being heroes in the every day, in the every week, in the every now is our focus. It's our motivation. Lord, that's what you are looking for. Lord, you're looking for us to be faithful with the little in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I wanted to uh, read a particular part of Scripture, and it's from the book of Jeremiah this morning. And uh, we're going to introduce you to um, an Ethiopian. Uh, He's the character today, and he's mentioned in the book of Jeremiah. And I'm going to read from Jeremiah uh, chapter 38, verses 4 to 16. Before I read it, though, I want us to to get a little bit of a a, a, kind of a bit of a summary about the story. So... um, First of all, the Bible has its list of heroes, many of whom are preached about on any given Sunday. Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the who's who of the heroes of the faith. And while many of them are well-known heroes of the Bible, uh, there are some that are mentioned in this particular chapter in verses 33 to 38 that also identify with other names that are not mentioned. So what I want to do is I want to call this particular person, who's one of those ones, unseen heroes. Everyone say unseen unseen heroes. Everyone say this, unseen heroic acts. Cool. Or unknown heroes of the faith. Although unseen, they were nevertheless effective in the role they played for God. So we're going to focus on this particular character. In a minute I'll introduce him. But he was from an Ethiopian background and served in the palace of King Zedekiah in the time of Jeremiah the prophet. In the story found in Jeremiah, I want you to write this down for me, this particular reference. Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 4 to 13. So you can do that in your own study time. Jeremiah is, in this particular part of Scripture, Jeremiah, the prophet of God, is imprisoned at this particular time in a cistern, a cistern filled with mud. Um, and he was imprisoned by the spineless king Zedekiah. He was spineless because these other influent, influent, influential men who wanted the prophet to be killed persuaded the king to actually go along with it, and he didn't stand up to them, with the real possibility that Jeremiah really had to face death. And so the plot had been hatched through the uh, mechanics of some of these powerful but corrupt government officials to persuade the king to do away with uh, the prophet Jeremiah and to have him killed. Now, when the situation looked precarious, it looked like Jeremiah was going to die. There was nothing they could do with it. The king had already made the decision. He was in this uh, thing that was filled with mud. He was literally hanging by his armpits and he was about to die. There was an unknown hero. Again, everyone say unknown. There was an unknown hero of the faith who trusted in God, stepped in, and what a difference it made because it actually saved the prophet's life. I want to encourage you today that it's important for us to step in and to be courageous and to be unseen heroes. It's important for us to reach out to people even though we may not be recognized for it, to encourage people, God will see it. God will encourage you to be an unseen hero. I want to tell you, I think it's really important, particularly right now in this season where our church is at, 
I think God is doing something magnificently and he's building depth in our community. He's building great relationship. He's establishing new friendships. He's building even, I mean, we, we are constantly this year have been getting feedback upon feedback from visiting ministries, from people who are just visiting, who walk in here and they say, you know what, Brad, Sarah, I want to give you feedback. There is a real family in this place. People actually care about each other. There's a real sense of community, real sense of family. Uh, it's not superficial. People are actually really, you can, and, and people are giving us feedback. You can actually feel it. And I, I, I want to bring this message um, to encourage us that having a, a spirit of a hero, to be heroic in the kingdom of God, is not how many times you get an opportunity to stand on the platform and preach a message. That's not what a being a hero in the kingdom of God is all about. It's not how many fans you've got on Facebook. It's not, come on now, it's not how many, uh, how great uh, your messages on, on YouTube are. You know, we, we listen to Christine Kane quite a lot. And what I love about Christine Kane, no minister is perfect, but what I love about Christine Kane is she says it how it is. Uh, I love that about her and um, I genuinely am, am personally attracted to people who speak and say it how it is. They don't put this nice fluff, you know, too much, I don't mind a little bit of fluff but if you t- put too much fluff on it kind of just just doesn't go down well with me. I'm just like, come on, let's just let's, let's be real here, come on. What I love about Christine Kane, she's really good and effective, she knows the word and she's real, she's very encouraging but she's real. And, you know, she talks quite often um, in her messages around how when she was raised in the things of ministry, you did things and it wasn't, the motivation had to be that it wasn't that you wanted to be seen. You had to go and do the things. You had to, you know, a lot of it wasn't unseen. There was no Facebook. There was no social media. Um, there was, you know, a lot of what they did in, in youth being raised up. They had to clean the toilets. They had to do all of the, the groundwork. And so she now travels the world and she ministers. She does lots and lots of things. But she's also, partly her ministry is part of mentoring the next generation to rise up. And what she does is she challenges this new generation and she says, be mindful that you understand that the way God works is that God is not into microwaving people into ministry. He's not into microwaving them into ministry where he elevates them too quickly to a place where they haven't had enough time to sort out their motivation for why they want to be in ministry. And uh, she talks about also that sometimes there are people who are adults who have to kind of keep going around and around the mountain because God's trying to get their motives dealt with in why they want to be in ministry, and yet they kind of never get them done. They wonder why they never break through. So she said the message isn't just for the young people. She said sometimes it's for some of the older people who kind of just don't realize that you need to deal with your motivation about what really is being a hero in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so I want to talk about how important it is as a church for you individually, for us as we come together um, and we're doing things in ministry, we need to keep in check about what our motivation is and really how do we define what, what's a hero? What really is a hero in the kingdom of God? What is someone who, who is heroic in God's eyes? Who are the heroes? The heroes, generally speaking, are the ones that aren't even seen. They're the ones that will be willing. What I love about Greg and Julie love, 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 love about Greg and Julie is they'll be willing to go and minister to the small churches. They'll go and minister the churches out in Kingaroy who might have 40 people. Now, I'm not saying anything about ministries who just minister to large churches. That may be their calling. But what I love about Greg and Julie is that they won't look at those opportunities and snub their nose going, oh, that's not a big enough church for me. Or Kingaroy is not quite um, a sexy enough city for me. 
who hears what I'm preaching here, right? Can I tell this? Can I say this to you? If you if you really are feeling like there's a call of God on your life to doing something in ministry, and I'm not talking about ministry, I'm talking about marketplace or anything for God. You've got to embrace the fact that part of that journey is God will always want you, always want you to evaluate the motivation behind why you're wanting to do what you do. It's healthy, church. It's healthy, it's healthy, it's healthy. And so he will put you in a season to see how are you okay with being an unseen hero? Or do you always, are you only motivated to get involved in something because you want to be on the platform? Because you want the praise, you want the recognition, you want it to add value to what you're doing. He will always see, are you willing to at least invest into some type of season? Now I'm standing here before you saying, I served another man's vision for 11 years faithfully. And it wasn't easy because I didn't agree with everything. But I served and I was a son in the house and I honored him. And I did everything I could to build that house of God that I was being raised up in. And I, can I tell you, it was fun. Can I tell you, it was, it was awesome. Can I tell you, I am the, where I am today because I was willing to be an unseen hero for a season. And I want to encourage you, church, that this principle relates to different areas of our lives as well. It relates to the marketplace. So uh, if you're wanting to be promoted, you need to be someone who's willing to sow a season of being unseen. And you don't just do things because you hope your boss, you know, if your boss is there, how do you work? If your boss isn't there, how do you work? Come on now. God is interested in how we appropriate the motivation of why we do what we do. Not because he's going, yeah, let's just see what the motions are like. I hope this is an opportunity that I can disqualify them this time. <laughs> see, if you've got an orphan spirit, that's how you'll see God. Uh, right? But he's actually looking not for how he can disqualify you. He's looking for how he can qualify you. Many are called, but few are. Awesome. So Jeremiah, let me read the actual part of Scripture, and then we're going to look at a couple of principles about what being a hero really is. Jeremiah 38, 4, 16. So these officials went to the king and said, Sir, this man must die. Talking about prophet Jeremiah. That kind of talk. So obviously he was talking about <clears throat> challenging the king and bringing words to actually warn the king about him making the wrong choices. That kind of talk will undermine the morale of the few fighting men we have left, as well as that of all the people. This man is a traitor. King Zedekiah agreed. All right, he said. Do as you like. I can't stop you. Everyone say no backbone. So the officials took Jeremiah from his cell and lowered him by ropes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to Malgi, a member of the royal family. And there was no water in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom. And Jeremiah sank down into it. But Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, so there's our unseen hero, Ebed Melak, the Ethiopian. Let's just call it EM for short, okay? <laughs> EM. Everyone say it, EM. Yeah. EM, our Ethiopian, EM. But EM, the Ethiopian, an important court official, heard that Jeremiah was in the cistern. And that time, the king was holding court at the Benjamin Gate. So EM rushed from the palace to speak with him. 
So he rushed to the king to step in, to do something, to respond. My lord, the king, he said, these men have done a very evil thing in putting Jeremiah, the prophet, into the cistern. He will soon die of hunger for almost all the bread in the city is gone. Verse 10. So the king told Em, okay, well then take 30 of my men with you and pull Jeremiah out of the cistern before he dies then. Everyone say, no care factor. So Em took the men with him and went to a room in the palace beneath the treasury where he found some old rags and discarded clothing. And he carried these to the cistern and lowered them to Jeremiah on a rope. Em, the Ethiopian, called down to Jeremiah, put these rags under your armpits to protect you from the ropes. And then when Jeremiah was ready, they pulled him out. And so Jeremiah was returned to the courtyard of the guard, the palace prison, where he remained. I just want to read a couple more verses. Verse 14. One day, King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah, who's just been rescued, and had him brought to the third entrance of the Lord's temple. I want to ask you something, the king said, and don't try to hide the truth. Jeremiah said, if I tell you the truth, you will kill me. And if I give you advice, you won't listen to me anyway. Good point. Good point, Jeremiah. So King Zedekiah secretly promised him, All right, okay, all right, prophet Jeremiah, I get your point. Surely as the Lord, our creator lives, I will not kill you, okay, or hand you over to the men who want you dead. That's my promise. Everyone say, he got a little bit more backbone. Okay, so what's interesting is that there was a turn of events where Jeremiah was then rewarded with a promise from the king. But let's talk about a couple of things around being... A true hero, which usually is about making sure you invest time in being an unseen hero in your life. First of all, three reasons why EM turned out to be a real hero. First of all, he was a hero because he was courageous. Everyone say courageous. So let's have a look at this. EM decided that he would not sit back and watch the prophet's demise. Instead, he had the courage to do something about it. He had the courage to do something about it. There are going to be times when you see something that may start to be in a place of demise. You might see a friend whose relationship with God is going to start to go in a place of demise. You might see something in your family which is going to start to go into a place of demise. There may be something in your career because you're starting to get into kind of bad habits where you're slacking off, where there's something in your career where you're feeling like it's starting to go into demise. Maybe there's something that you see that someone's dealing with. Maybe it's just an absolute cloud of depression and fear and anxiety and you can see that they're going into a place of demise. It takes courage to actually do something about demise or responding to a situation that's declining. It takes courage to stand in the gap. Particularly, it takes courage where maybe you will not even be rewarded for it. He therefore went on a dangerous mission to the king to intercede for Jeremiah's life. Such a mission could have had serious consequences for him, considering that powerful men had been behind the plot 
to kill Jeremiah. So it took courage because not only was this guy in prison and about to die, but it was the actual, the political, the political atmosphere, the political ploys, the political schemes, the political group that actually had set this in place, that by actually going to the king and asking for him to do something in direct opposition to what this group of men, he would actually be going up against a political game. Is there anyone here who ever feels like they have to deal with politics in their life? It takes courage to deal with that. To make matters more complicated, the king gave EM 30 men as a possible security contingent, which you might think, well, that's good. He got, the king said, well, okay, yep, you're going to go and get, save the, the, the prophet. Well, here's 30 men. But the problem is, is that if you think about, he had 30 men now running towards the prison to turn this thing around, that would have brought huge attention, but the not right, the right kind of attention, the kind of the wrong attention that you don't want. It would have been so obvious to not only that, that whole group of men that had tried to get him into the prison, that now uh, he's gone to the king, he's asked something, because there's a whole group of 30 security guards with him. So who knows that it would have become obvious to all those other sinister people. It would have become obvious to people that he actually was standing his ground. Who knows that sometimes being an unsigned hero, we have to actually, our stand is going to be obvious to people around us who will try to intimidate us. Courage. Courage. One thing was certain, he was not going on a secret mission anymore. It was no longer a secret to pull Jeremiah out of the prison. It would not have been a secret. Everyone would have known about it. Everyone would have known that it was taking on this plan. The church of today needs men and women with the courage of EM, Ebed-Melech, who will stand up for the cause of Christ and be identified as a man and woman of God, who's not afraid to say, you know what? I'm a Christian. Now, there's times and seasons, but there's, let me tell you this story. There was a time at university, QUT, when I was studying, and we had a lecturer. I've told this story before, but I haven't told it for a while. We had a lecturer who was very anti, anti, anti-God. We had a lecture of 300 people, and thank you, God, that I was full of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. I was full of boldness and courage. And it takes wisdom also to know the right timings, Right? But you you and I both know that as men and women of God, we're not called to deny Christ. We're called to stand up for Christ. We're called to proclaim Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? So whenever you're asked, you should always declare the truth that's living inside of you. But sometimes there are things where you have to also be proactive. And when someone asks you, do you believe in Jesus, will you react to that? And so you have, which takes courage at times, particularly if you feel like you're being persecuted, takes courage. But we know that we're called to be courageous and say, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe in the word of God. Yes, I believe in heaven and hell. Yes, I believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. That takes courage to react to maybe a question who's asked. But also there's times when we have to be proactive. Well, maybe a question isn't being even asked, but we need to take a stand. Uh, But sometimes we need to make sure what the right timing is. Because I know in my first job outside uni, I worked for a finance company. I've told this story before. And the first day I had everyone sitting down in the lunchroom, kind of like you are now, less people. And I said, now, by the way, this is my first day here, but I want to let you know I'm a born-again Christian and Jesus Christ has saved me. And I want to actually tell you how, now you may think, oh, wow, that's awesome. Well, um, no, it wasn't awesome because one, God didn't tell me to do it. It was zeal without wisdom. Okay. Um, 
what I learned after that is God said, next time you have an inkling to do that, wait for my timing and my prompting, and I will guide you. Because it was a disaster. <laughs> Can I tell you, it was a PR disaster for not only Jesus, but for me. <laughs> because I couldn't stay in that company for too much longer because... I was basically being scrutinized. I had nothing that showed my character. I had nothing that showed that I could work hard or whatever. It was my first day. So everyone just looked through this, this kind of, these glasses of, that's the Christian guy that's weird. <laughs> so wisdom is important. But there was a time at university, we had about 300 people in this lecture. It was a journalism u- university lecture. And we had this uh, lecturer who was just anti-anti-God. And he was just going for it like... <laughs> These people who were Christian, like seriously, they're foolish. They are so foolish to believe in a God, right? And he was just he was just spraying in a and anyway, the thing I was just getting, oh, and I was like, God, God, I just really wanted to stand up and just put this guy in his place. And God was like, just hold back. And I'm like, and he kept spraying and he kind of made these moments throughout the lecture. Anyway, anyway, get to this got to this point where he threw a question out and he's like I mean, as if anyone believes in God anymore these days. I mean, is there anyone here who still believes in God? (laughs) And then in that moment, God said, now stand up and tell him. (laughs) And I went, "Uh, yep, me. My name's Brad. Brad Power. And I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'll tell you why I believe in him, because about a couple of years ago, and then I pretty much gave my testimony right there in front of 300 people. Now, what was interesting was we had, I had about maybe 10 or 15 people fully applaud me, and they had most of this, oh, you serious? <laughs> what an idiot. And they used other words besides idiot. And what was interesting was about five minutes after the kind of commotion died down, the guy decided to actually not only take a break, he decided to end the lecture. I'll tell you why. Because it created such, I suppose, a... See, he had an agenda that day, and he was literally trying to impart something into, into the young people. What happened was by standing up... By me declaring my testimony, it broke something in the atmosphere and people no longer wanted to listen to him or focus. There was distraction. And so he knew that he couldn't win them back, so he actually cancelled the lecture. And I think ultimately that's just what God wanted to do. He wanted someone to stand up to actually sow a seed in the young people and say, you know what, there is a young person who's like you, who's studying journalism, who's actually been, their life has been turned around by Jesus Christ. Right? And you know what is so powerful about your testimony is people cannot argue with your own story. That's why the testimony the Bible teaches is one of the most powerful weapons against the kingdom of darkness. Because people cannot argue with what you've experienced. People cannot argue with your own story. And so courage is critical. Courage is contagious. When brave men take a stand like the Anzacs, like riches as an example, like you and I, unseen heroes, when we take a stand in our life. And sometimes it might just be the one person in our university tutorial group. Sometimes it might be just the one person that works with us casually at McDonald's. Sometimes it might just be the one person that we drop home 
you know, after youth who's really, really struggling with their faith. Maybe it's just the one person that you know um, <clears throat> that really needs that text message every now and then because they're battling their, their, their headspace. They're battling to break through in victory in their mind and they're, they're, they're depressed, they're down. Maybe it's someone who's really struggling in their family and they just need someone to get alongside them and to support them and to encourage them and to take a stand for them in their life. Courage is contagious. When brave men take a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. The spines of others are stiffened. So the first thing about our great unseen hero in the Bible, who we've nicknamed EM, was courage, determination, conviction. You know, when I look for people that we want to, um, you know, kind of work with, I look for those qualities. I look for um, conviction and I look for courage and I look for those types of qualities. When, we, when we're trying to bring people into our team, even when we're trying to raise up new people, we're looking to birth conviction. We're looking to birth courage into them and determination. The second quality I want to talk about uh, is <clears throat> having a servant's heart. And the name Ebed-Melech actually means the king's servant. And it seems obvious that this Ethiopian man actually had that name because he was not only a servant, but he actually was led by that heart of service to do something about the predicament that the prophet was in, the man of God was in. But also, because he served the king, because he had a servant heart, when he went to the king to appeal, he actually had influence. He had an ability to turn that king's heart around and to make a decision to say, yes, you can go over and you can, I give you permission to take these 30 men and to save the prophet. Now, why did he have favor? He had favor because there was something prior to that. Before he went to the king, he had obviously served the king faithfully. He'd obviously showed the king that there was character, there was depth to him. And so the king responded to that, to that history, to that experience of E.M. being someone who had a servant heart, who was willing to, to serve, to help, to assist. Because of that great quality, it actually gave him favor with the king. Do you know that's no different to you and I? Not just with our own relationship with God. Now get this. We don't do things to earn God's love. But can I say that when we actually sow seeds and we're an unseed hero, God is interested in watching those things to see if we're faithful with a little. We would be denying certain parts of the teaching of the Bible if we just, we know that, you know, we don't work for salvation. But God is When we start to walk with him, God is interested in what we do in private. He is interested in what we do in the little things. He is interested because he wants us to be faithful in the little because then he can give us more. But that principle does not just relate to our Heavenly Father, but also relates to other relationships we have in life. You know, where we serve people faithfully, we will usually have favor. It's just basic wisdom. You ever had someone who comes and asks a favor of you? So we get the word favor from, you know, if you ask a favor, it's because hopefully you've already got favor and that's why they're going to give you favor. And so have you ever had someone come and ask you for a favor and they've never really ever shown any history of really having 
any kind of seed that they've sown towards you, but they're kind of always wanting something? Just think about how, how do you feel about that? You feel a bit annoyed, right? So what's interesting here is, is again, sometimes I think, you know, we can get set up with disappointment because we go and ask favors, or we're expecting things, but we're not necessarily willing to sow the seeds before we're wanting to harvest. In life, relationally, in different areas. So sometimes when we need a favor, sometimes when we need a breakthrough, it usually will come because the seeds that we've sown before, and usually that all comes from being servant-hearted, where it's not all about you. It's not always about everything that you're doing. It's about you're willing to actually sow some time and seed into other things that other people are doing. And so he had favor because of his servant's heart. In the same way, the very actions he took to rescue Jeremiah at great danger to himself shows that his heart was in the right place. So if we are to be heroes for God, we need to ask the Lord to help us have a servant's heart. Let us not forget that Jesus set the perfect example by washing his own disciples' feet. The king of the Gentiles, he didn't lord it all over the people. He had a servant's heart. I think EM is a great example of this. I want to share a story of, um, this is a story um, about a couple who in the United States uh, who were going to a school to decide whether they wanted to enroll uh, their children into a school. And this couple, on their way as they came into the school, there was um, a gentleman who was painting the wall. And so they went up to him and said, oh, look, um, we're here. Uh, we're deciding whether we want to enroll our kids into this school. So we have a, a point with the principal. Can you please direct us to the principal's office? He said, yeah, sure, no worries. He said, just go along that path. And it's just through that reception area they'll be able to help you out. So anyway, they went along. And uh, about... Uh, 10 or 15 minutes later, after sitting in the reception things, the principal comes out of the office, looks at them, shakes their hand and says, welcome to our school. Now that principal was the same man who was painting the wall. And they said right there, they knew that this was the right school for their children. Because someone who is in that place of authority was willing to serve, was willing to get their hands dirty. It wasn't all about, I'm the hero of the moment, I'm the principal. Yeah, I have my slaves painting the fence because I'm the principal. Yeah. Who knows that's a really, not only was that singing really unattractive and that whole posture and facial expression. Where did that come from? Deliverance team, quickly, minister to me. (laughs) Um, But all jokes aside, who knows that that kind of a heart is completely unattractive. Right? (laughs) Not only that posture and facial expression as well. Sometimes Sarah sits in these sermons and thinks, am I married to that man? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. She still loves me. So a servant heart. Third quality is... He had the love and the wisdom to do something special. See, EM felt Jeremiah's pain. He knew that Jeremiah's armpits would probably have been wounded when he was left down by the ropes in the cistern. So he also realized that those same wounds would be aggravated 
when Jeremiah was being pulled out of the cistern with ropes. So what did he therefore do? The scripture says that E.M., Ebed-Melech, first went to a room under the treasury from where he could get some rags and worn out clothes. And thereafter, he led down the ropes with the rags, advising Jeremiah to first put the rags and worn out clothes under his arms to pad the ropes so that his body would not get injured further. So rather than just running, 30 men to the prison to save Jeremiah, going to be the hero, get out of the ropes, pull him up, pull him up, pull him up. Here he is. And Jeremiah going, <laughs> So rather than doing that, he thought, before I go and do my heroic act, let me just think for a second. Actually, that's really going to hurt. That's really going to hurt. So a quote I came across says this, Duty makes us do things well. But love makes us do them beautifully. Soon after Jeremiah was hauled out of the cistern to safety without having his armpits absolutely smashed or bruised or further bruised. A hero for God stands out not only because of what he does, but also because of how he does it. And when I say stands out, stands out before God. Most of the time still unseen. Because that would have been a little moment in, Jer- in, in Ian's heart to be specifically thinking about how do we need to execute this to really love Jeremiah. So a hero for God stands out not only because of what he does, but also because of how he does it. He stands out because of the love and wisdom that flows from him to serve others. There's a big difference between standing out over a fallen man and lifting him up And from getting onto the ground where he has fallen, putting our arms around him and lovingly raising him up. I think Christ is a perfect example. That's why whenever you're down and out, you want to invite Jesus straight into that situation. Because not only does he want to rescue you, but he wants to rescue you And at the same time, make sure that your identity isn't condemned by the situation you got yourself in. He doesn't want your identity to be bruised as he's lifting you up. And sometimes as ministers, we've got to get the right balance. Sometimes we make mistakes. But when we're lifting people out of their mess, we've got to make sure that while we're lifting them, we're very careful that we don't bruise their identity. I'm just going to ask um, one of the musos to come as we finish. Lastly, what I want to mention this is being an unseen hero. He was rewarded. He was rewarded for being an unseen hero. God never forgets us, nor does he forget what we do for him. Humans often forget, but not our God. Jesus told the lady that anointed him that what she did would be always spoken of, which is exactly what happens whenever that story is preached from. We look at EM. God rewarded him for what he did as shown in Jeremiah. In fact, the following five promises were given to EM 
by what he did in rescuing Jeremiah and being an unseen hero. God said to him, to EM, God said to EM in response to what he did for Jeremiah, God said, EM, I, the Lord, will rescue you. He also said, you will not be given into the hands of those you fear because of what you've done. He also promised that he would save him. He promised that you will not fall by the sword and that you will escape and your life will be secure. And so when you honor God with being an unseen hero, God will also reward you. You know, this morning, I want us just to, just to close our eyes, to bow our heads. Just to get in that posture, that position. Thank you, Lord. It's just a simple thing the Lord has asked me to do to finish off this message. And he's asked me to have you just to close your eyes, bow your head. And he's asked me to ask you just to pray. Just to pray to show you who he wants you to be an unseen hero towards. I hear the Lord saying there are many Jeremiah's today. There are thousands of Jeremiah's trapped in a prison, sinking, slowly dying. I heard the Lord say that it may look different. It may look like someone trapped in a prison of disappointment, slowly dying by just not believing in themselves. I'm hearing the Lord say, He's showing every single person here, just one person in your world. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, that you're doing something here. Lord, you're releasing the burden of heroes. Lord, like those Anzacs who had a burden for this nation and for the freedom of our nation and our people and our children and our future. Lord, they had a burden to fight. Lord, they had conviction. They had courage. And that a servant's heart. We thank you, Lord, that just in this moment as we focus on you, Lord, that you're birthing a new phase for us to be unseen heroes. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that moments like this count. That taking a moment like this helps us to make a decision to put someone 
first in our life during the week. Father, just in this moment, when we're not thinking about how many emails we have to reply to and how many text messages we have to reply to and how many appointments we have to week and how many bills we have to pay, but just in this moment, when we take the moment just to think about someone else, Father, we can make a decision to make time for them this week, to reach out, to care, to rescue someone, to minister to them, to encourage them, to love them. Lord, show every person in this place, just one person, for them to do that towards. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you care about this. You care about us thinking about people and reaching out to them, not because it's going to help our reputation, it's going to help our profile, it's going to help our bank balance, it's going to help our level of fame, we're going to look anointed, we're going to look spiritual. but simply because you want us to be an unseen hero, to be a shepherd like David who wanted to look after the sheep even when no one was looking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for just focusing us on this this morning. We thank you for this nation of Australia, and we thank you, Lord, for what the Anzacs have done. And we thank you, Lord, for this great, mighty place called Australia, the great south land of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father, for the freedom that we get to enjoy in this country. And we just pray a fresh blessing over this nation. And we thank you, Lord, for the future of this nation and the future of the children of this nation and the future of the grandchildren of this nation. And we declare, Lord, afresh that this nation is yours, Jesus. We declare the name of Jesus over this nation. We declare that this is a godly nation. We declare the blessing of God over this nation. We declare, Lord, the hand of favor and protection over this nation. In the years and the days ahead, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, 